0: Levitt. This is my lovely wife Tracy. Hi, I'm John Rudnick. We're Barry and
1: Anita Chenault. My name is Edward Devlin. My name is Rosalie Devlin. Hi, we are Brent and Sheila Howell. My name is Matt Leisman. Hi, my name is Hannah Rollins. My name is Chad Peterson. Before I knew Christ, even though I had like a lot of friends and a really good community, I was still kind of alone. I was definitely trying to find my like self-worth and everything and what other people thought about me instead of finding my worth from God. I found God on TikTok. I was just scrolling through and it was a bunch of videos about Jesus. And then I started to look into it. I watched some YouTube videos on it and then bought a Bible. And the TikTok videos that I would watch, they really just went over how much God loves us. The fact that God loves us that much to send his son to die for us, really just, I was like, I have to be a part of that. I didn't grow up in a Christian home or anything. So yeah, it is hard in my own faith walking when I don't have my parents by my side in it. My best friend, she invited me to church. We had met a couple years ago. We started playing volleyball together. And then one day we were at a tournament and we both saw each other reading our Bibles. And then we started our own Bible study. Our Bible studies, they would be at either a Starbucks or Panera or sometimes just in our living rooms. One thing that I would want other people to know is to just pray about everything. There's nothing too small that you think that you can't bring up to God because that's not true. You should bring up every little thing that you're going through, every big thing that you're going through, because he really does want to hear it.
0: Pretty amazing, huh? No, so all of you that are my age or older, I just want you to know your TikTok videos are making a huge difference for the gospel, so well done, but you never know what the Lord's going to use, honestly, and... um you know, we need to be praying for her, like share her family. And I know a little bit more about her story in the backstory down in Chesapeake, like her family doesn't even attend church with her. She's God's doing this in her. And she's a part of our student ministry at Coastal Chesapeake and uh, just amazing stuff. So, so do me a favor, uh, get your Bible out, turn with me to Matthew chapter six. If you don't have a Bible, I don't know, there might be one to share in front of you. And uh, if you don't own a Bible, Uh, take that one with you. We would love for you to have a copy of the Word of God. Get your note sheet out, okay? It's the back of your bulletin. Uh, You can also take notes on the app. And if you are not yet in a coastal small group, uh, it's not too late, okay? We would love, we're in the middle of our eight week small group series. We'd love for you to join a small group. There's a grow booklet somewhere back there on the table. You can grab one on the way out and uh, find a, a small group that fits your time. And the way you prepare for your small group is to take notes, okay? Uh, we do sermon based small, small groups. So you take notes and then you are ready for the small group and we will encourage you in the Lord. And uh, so while you're kind of getting all that out, two quick announcements. We're doing trunk or treat here on the 30th. And so, We can use you can either sign up and let us know you're going to do a trunk or you can bring your kids and be a part of the treat. Okay, so uh, either way is great. And so that's going to be right here, four to six. And it's really going to be a great time. It's a great time to invite your neighbors, too. You introduce them to the church right and uh, and sure hang out with some church people secondly we're trying something new this year uh, we always get asked uh, hey you know if you see different ministries kids ministry ushers greeters whatever they always have the cool coastal swag and they you know what I'm saying uh, I always make the people that are buying the shirts like hey make sure you get the senior pastor an extra one okay and uh, and so people are always like how do I get the coastal swag and so we're gonna try this all right so from now till the November 13th we' got a pop-up shop online you can order your coastal swag. We're going to have it all delivered at once. We're going to charge you our cost uh, plus the suggested extra buck or two, which we're going to put towards missions. Okay. So anything that covers our cost beyond that, we'll put in the missions department. Uh, so if you want to order some Christmas coastal swag, there it is. All right. Uh, you guys excited about what the Lord is doing? I know I am. And I'm really, really thrilled of all that God is doing here at, uh, up at the Gloucester campus. And so thank you for having me, uh, Pastor Sean and enduring my message today because i know nate is an incredible communicator and so uh we're taking a big step back today uh so um, you'll just have to endure this coffee if you need it so um we're gonna look at matthew 6 12 and uh, my wife and i um each fall we do a little fall getaway and a couple years ago we uh we went in late october sometime in late october down to the outer banks and it was kind of a fall day down there you know kind of cool at night warms up during the day and we found a um Some kind of a nature hike down on the Outer Banks. I don't remember what it was called, and we're like, "Let's go on this little hike." And so it was kind of a swampy area. And as we're hiking, we come across this break in the trees where the sun is shining, and in the middle of the path was this ginormous snake. And uh, I hate snakes. Um, And if you're if you're here in the room and you have a pet snake, that is a major you problem. Okay, no one wants you to own a snake is a pet. Okay. You know, the fluffy things is what you own as a pet. And so, and so anyway, so we are like, Ooh, and you know, it startles us. It's not moving. I don't want to step over it. I'm trying to encourage my wife to step over it, you know, real manly. And, and, uh, and so we like, we turn around and go back. Right. And we go to those, go back the other way. So we're going back the other way in another sunny spot. Another snake had come out behind us. And so we're like pinned between two snakes, right? Like I don't know how we're gonna get around this. And eventually we just mustered up the courage to jump one of them. I can't remember which one. But uh, this morning God in the Christ, Jesus, in the in the Lord's Prayer Uh, gives us uh, really one enemy, but he gives us pardon and protection uh, around our greatest enemy, right? And so this is I hate snakes, you know, this enemy that we want to talk about today is really your greatest enemy. And that's the enemy of sin. And so the final portion of the Lord's prayer is asking for the pardon from sin and asking God to protect us from our sin. And I think a mature follower of Jesus Understands, man. Even as a Christian, my sin nature is still with me. And the more we grow in Christ, the more it actually should terrify us—our own ability to still sin, right? And so that's part of the prayer. So Matthew chapter six, verse twelve, Jesus teaching his disciples to pray he says, "And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors." And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, but deliver us from evil. So point number one this morning, as you're taking notes, the need for God's pardon. The need for God's pardon. Sin is our greatest problem, right? The word debt in Aramaic is the word for sin. And the word sin is actually means to miss. It's an archery term that means to miss the mark. So what mark? So if, you, if the bullseye is the mark, what is what is it to miss the mark? So the mark, according to scripture, is our God and his character. Our God is holy. The God of the Bible is one hundred percent without sin, and we, because of our father Adam, are born with a sin nature. We, we, we are. The Bible actually describes us as dead in sins. We love our sin apart from Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, and so we miss the mark of the holiness of God. In fact, I want to say something. It should be a little shocking to you, really. In church life, we use the word "saved." Right? You need to be saved, and it sounds like seventies evangelism gone bad, you know, but we didn't know we needed, what do we need to be saved from? We actually need to be saved from the very character of God because God is holy. God judges and punishes sin. And if as sinners, that leaves us in a, in quite a precarious, in fact, I would even suggest you terrifying position under Almighty God. And so to to consider our own sin uh, is no trifling matter. And so as we pray this part, asking the Lord to pardon us, and I would suggest to you, which I'll unpack in just a moment, that the the, the how your depth of love or your depth of cherishing Jesus Christ often directly corresponds to your understanding and the depth of your understanding of your rebellion and your just deserts of your sin nature all right and so like if you haven't deeply contemplated man my sin what it really deserves in the presence of a holy almighty god You will not fully cherish Christ until you fully understand your wretchedness and your sin nature before Almighty God. In fact, I think part of the reason that the church in America is being so ineffective in presenting the gospel is we present an incomplete gospel. How many of y'all grew up hearing the gospel presented this way? God loves you. And he has a wonderful plan for your life. How many of you heard of God? Now that's true, but it's incomplete. That's the good news. And I think so often as Christians, we rush to the good news without first putting it at the backdrop of the bad news, right? And by the way, what does gospel mean? Anybody know? It means good news, right? And so we, if you're new to coastal, we use that term a lot. We believe deeply in the good news and we believe deeply that God does love you a hundred percent in Christ. But apart from Christ, we have missed the mark of the character of God. And therefore your greatest problem in your life is your sin nature. And what you really deserve is the, is, is the punishment of God Almighty. And so our greatest need, if our greatest problem is sin, our greatest need is forgiveness. Let her be, right? Our greatest need is forgiveness is our greatest need. And so in this prayer that Jesus is teaching us to pray, forgive us, okay? There's an implicit there, there's an implied understanding that as you're praying, forgive us our trespasses, you're praying and confessing, I'm a sinner, right? I'm in need of the forgiveness of Almighty God. And one of the things I do when people the rare times people come to me for pastoral counseling. I'm, I'm not a very good counselor. You know, people come to me and like, I keep doing this and it hurts. And I'm like, don't no, stop doing that. So, and that's, that's the best advice I can give you. But, you know, so, but a rare times they come to me and I'm like, you know, one of the things if someone comes to me and like, hey, I'm struggling with a habitual sin that I just keep, I, you know, it's just with me. And I think we all have bents in life that there's sin parts of our nature that are a constant wrestle. And and so one of the things I encourage people sometimes is, hey, when you're, when you're praying about to God, about your sin, like pray specifically. Cause I think a lot of times we're like, Hey God, I know I'm a sinner. Like forgive me of my sins, you know? And, and we pray that way and say, so if there's an area you're really struggling, like call it what it is. So if you're wrestling with pornography, instead of just going, God, man, I'm sick of doing this. And you're kind of neutral and that, you know, kind of not very specific about it. Try this the next time you pray, God, I'm struggling with pornography. And according to your word, if a man looks for a woman and lusts in his heart, he's an adulterer. So God, actually, I'm an adulterer. And all of a sudden, the gravity of your sin hits you, right? Hey, God, you know, forgive me for my sin. Like, you know, I've really been struggling with my tongue. And, but the truth is you told a, a half truth or a lie. And so try it this way. Hey, God, you know what? I lied this morning. You know what my problem is, God? I'm a liar, right? That person you don't like very much. What the scripture say about the people we don't like? What's really in your heart? The seeds of murder. If you don't like someone, the seeds of, so try this. When that person you don't like very much, hey, you know what, God, if I'm being honest, I, I kind of hate them. And your word says that this, that's the seed of murder. I, I, there's murder brewing in my heart. I'm a Murderer. You start praying that way and suddenly you start to get gripped with with your need, right? It kind of shocks you into the reality of what your sin really is and how destructive it is and how grotesque it is and how rebellious it is against the Lord Jesus Christ and his holy character, which then sets us up for our greatest need to be forgiven, which letter C then reminds us of God's provision, right? If we're gonna be forgiven, it requires the provision Vision of our salvation plan, which is the good news or the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, in order for us to be forgiven from our sin, we need to receive, and here's the language I like to use the person and the work of Jesus Christ, right? The gospel message. And it's Jesus and it's his person and his work. Now, one of the reasons that we're transitioning, that we've split this fall series into two, First is prayer, because we want you to be praying for people in your lives that don't yet know Jesus. The next four weeks, we're going to equip you to do evangelism. We're going to equip you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? And so I think a lot of times we know it and we say, but, uh, you know, I'm not in a position to actually talk to others about Jesus. So what I need to do is I need to bring them to church. I got to get them in front of the pastor because he's going to share, talk to them about Jesus. And I want to suggest to you, we need you to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen, church? And so we're going to take the next few weeks and equip you to do that. And you say, I don't even, I don't know. I wouldn't even know what to say. Okay, you ready? I'm going to teach you what to say right now. Here it is, you ready? So Yorktown, I've been making them say it out loud. So we're going to say it out loud, all right? What's the person of Christ? It's that Jesus is God. That's his person, right? It's that he's 100% God. He's 100% human. Jesus is God. So here we go. Here's the gospel, ready? Say it after me. Jesus is God. Jesus died on the cross for your sin. Jesus bodily rose from the grave. You just shared the gospel. Isn't it amazing? And now the person looks at you and goes, Oh man, I want that. How do I have that? What do you say next? You, come to the coastal so the pastor will tell you. Right, that's right, exactly. I have failed again. Uh, No, here it is. You're ready? You need to repent. So repent. There you go, which means turning. I would love my sin. I'm turning from my sin. I'm repenting. I'm looking at Christ. I believe in the gospel plan. Jesus is the salvation plan. So I repent, I believe, and I receive Christ into my heart and life. There it is. All right, here we go. Ready? Jesus Jesus is God. Jesus died on the cross for your sin. Jesus, Bolly rose from the grave. grave. Repent, believe, receive. Receive. There you go. You just shared the gospel. Well done. You guys are now well-equipped. Give yourselves a round of applause, all right? So when we pray, forgive us our debts or forgive us our trespasses. As believers, we understand that forgiveness, my greatest need, forgiveness, 100% free to me, 100% free to you. That's how much God loves you, but it cost God everything, right? It came at a high cost to God. He sent his one and only son, Jesus. And by the way, last week, I know we took the Lord's Supper together, right? And as we take the Lord's Supper, it's, it's to remind us, partly, as we're taking those elements, it's to remind us of the broken body and the shed blood of Christ. We're to look at the crucifixion of Christ And by the way, this is gaining uh, momentum in our culture that I'm hearing more and more unbelievers say, man, God, like who would sacrifice their own son? Like God's like a child abuser. Uh, You're going to start hearing that more and more, right? We're to look at the cross of Christ and crucifixion is, it's probably one of the most grotesque manners of killing a person that's ever been devised by man. I I don't know if you know that. Did you know that on crucifixion, a person crucified, they didn't die by, they don't die by bleeding out. They actually die by asphyxiation. They can't breathe. So they, a a criminal that was crucified would have to push up on the cross, breathe in. And as they sunk down, they weren't able to take in another breath until they pushed back up. And then they breathe in and they sink back down. And this would go on until they wear out. They would just wear out. Eventually they would just asphyxiate. And so yes, it's bloody and yes, it's gross. And why why am I going into depth and spending some time on this? Because we, as we take the Lord's Supper and we reflect on the broken body and the blood of Christ, we're to look at the cross and think, that's how much God hates my sin. The next time you're tempted to sin as a Christian, I want you to look at Christ on the cross and think, man, how much does God hate my sin? He hates it that much. That was the cost to God through his son, Jesus, to pay for my, to take the penalty of my sin. And that should encourage us to walk in in holiness and righteousness. Now, so that, so we pray, God forgive us our trespasses. Now, I got to be honest with you. There are times when I'm praying the Lord's Prayer out loud with a group of people, which we're going to actually close our service this morning, praying the Lord's Prayer together. But there's times when I get to this line and I I sometimes pause, and sometimes I even don't say it too quickly. Think about this. Forgive us our trespasses. What's next? like if i'm if I'm seriously reflecting on that, So we just talked about the holy character of God and our own sin. Like, do I want my sin forgiven at the same level with which I offer forgiveness? Ooh, that's like gives me pause, right? And is Jesus saying that our forgiveness is dependent on how much we forgive others? Well, I don't think so. I don't think that's what the scriptures teach. What I do think Jesus is reminding us as we pray this prayer is that letter D, forgiven people forgive people, right? That once you recognize, man, what I have been forgiven of is so much greater than what anyone has done to me. Jesus taught this in Matthew 18, right? With the guy who owed, I think a a hundred talents to the king. There's a story, Jesus tells a story, the king, one set all accounts, Matthew 18. So he goes out and he gets all the people that owe him money and uh, finds a guy that owes him a hundred talents, which is like, like, it'd be like you and I owing somebody millions and millions of dollars, just a debt that we could never fully repay. A lifetime of saving, a lifetime of work, could never fully repay it. And so the man, he's, the king says, well, I'm going to have to throw you in prison, sell off your kids, you know, and, and he pleads for his life. He pleads for his family and the king forgives him, right? He says, you know what? I forgive you. Don't worry about it. Debt's cleared. And you would think that this forgiven servant would run out and be super generous and super forgiving. What's he do? He finds somebody that owes him a hundred denarii, which would be like a few months of work, right? He finds a fellow servant and he says, you owe me a hundred denarii. Well, I can't pay it you know, have patience, give me some time. No, and what he, t- he takes him, throws him in jail. They a fellow servant, throws him in jail and sells off his family. And the king hears about it and he calls him wicked. He's like, you wicked servant, I forgave you so much. Jesus is reminding us in his prayer that forgiven people forgive people. And when we don't forgive, we are forgetting how much garbage we've brought to the table, Right. We somehow have positioned ourselves. Well, well, my stuff is not as bad as their stuff. And therefore, you know, I'm, I, I can withhold forgiveness. Now, we're hearing a lot in our culture about injustice. Right. There's injustice. There's injustice. You know what injustice is? Injustice is any time a person sins against another person. So when a person sins against another person, there is a deficit of injustice, right? And when you sin against another person, you have a deficit of injustice. And so what we've got is we've got a a bunch of people running around demanding that their deficits of injustices be filled. The problem is we can never fully fulfill them. And what we're called to do as Christians is actually to forgive. And what does it mean to forgive? To forgive means that I am not demanding the need for the deficit of injustice to be filled. I'm turning that over to the Lord. Which, by the way, what does the scripture say about revenge? Vengeance is whose? Is mine? Why is it his? Because he's the only one in the position to do it perfectly, right, and to meet out justice perfectly. We we turn that over to the Lord and we offer forgiveness. Like, hey, you know what? You're not on the hook with me. And you know why you're not on the hook with me? Because the God of the universe let me off on the hook with him and what I owed. Amen, church? And so here it is, you ready? Forgiving people, forgive people. If you're If you're withholding forgiveness, it's probably because you're not spending enough time thinking about what you actually owe a holy God and how much God gave to set you free and to forgive you. And so I've just, I've just seen unforgiveness just eat people up, man. I've seen it separate families. And maybe you're sitting here today, like that is going on in my family right now. Let me encourage you, start with you. Forgive them. Like, you know what, God, they don't owe me anything. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn justice over to you. Like uh, you 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 exact revenge however you want to exact revenge, but that ain't up to me. I've seen it tear apart church members. Listen on the rare time, and I always respect this when someone's leaving Coastal. They're upset and they're leaving Coastal, and they make an appointment with me. Or you know, Pastor Nate would say the same thing. Like I, I always appreciate the person just le- doesn't just leave, but they take the time to m- set the appointment with me. And I can just tell you, like, usually they sit in front of me and they tell, they usually wax eloquent about theology. They're super smart, right? Here comes all this theological stuff, like here, you know, you're a this or you're a that. And finally, when they're done with all their theology, I look at them and I go, who hurt you? And 99% of the time, it's actually that. The theology is an excuse. The wound is the issue. And I go, oh, that's great news that you're wounded because here's the deal. Matthew 18, you can go sit down one-on-one with that person and get it Right? Isn't that great? And you can work that out together. And I'm sure you've already done that. Well, no, it's, it's too late now. Too late. That could never be healed or forgiven, right? And man, I've just seen wounds of have people leave churches, anger. And here's what happens when we forgive. Guess who's set free? You are, Right? I've held on to deficits against somebody. They didn't even know I was hurt, I, that they hurt me. And I'm the one angry and they're living free because they don't know. And I'm the one all tied up in knots. And the minute I set them free, I'm like, that's between you and God. All of a sudden the freedom and the healing comes inside of me, right? The Psalmist even says, man, when we hold on and anger eats us up inside, it actually can cause physical issues. I've known people with physical issues. And I'm convinced it was unforgiveness right they're going to doctors they're taking medications they're doing all stuff and i'm like i think you need to forgive and be set free, and watch healing come. And so, as we pray this portion of the Lord's Prayer, you know we're reminded that we need forgiveness. It start God forgave us because of the person and work of His Son Jesus, and then we can freely offer forgiveness because we have been forgiven so much. And so we pray, and the Lord's Prayer, pray for the provision of the forgiveness of our sin. Number two, the second point here this morning, and we're reminded of Jesus's prayer. The need for God's protection, Matthew 6, 13. Jesus prays. So the point number two, the need for God's protection, Matthew 6, 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so letter A, we need protection from sin's temptation. We need protection from sin's temptation. Point, and number one there, temptation is recognizing our own sinful frailty. So temptation is recognizing our own frailty. To pray against temptation is to recognize that even as a Christian, sin still works in our heart this side of heaven, right? That, and Paul recognizes this battle in Romans chapter seven, where he talks about, man, the things I don't wanna do, I end up doing, and I don't do the things I know that I should do. And in Romans seven, verse 24, he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but my flesh, I serve the law of sin. So listen, let me, let me give you the process of, of salvation. When we, Receive Christ and the gospel of Christ. It's the the uh, the word we use is the doctrine, the beautiful doctrine of justification. Like when we become a Christian, we're declared righteous. Christ is in us, and so now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're declared righteous before all men. God, it's a legal declaration that God gives us. But now we're in process of growing as Christians to be more and more like Jesus. So the Holy Spirit's in us and we're in process. Sometimes we take a step back and sometimes we take two steps forward and sometimes we take a step back. But this process of we're still working out our salvation with terminal, This process of sanctification is the big church word, right? And we look for the day that our faith becomes sight. And the day that our faith becomes sight, our sin nature will no longer be with us. And this is what we call glorification. And I don't know about you, but it's one of the things that makes heaven so sound so appealing to me when my sin nature is fully and finally gone because I'm sick of it amen uh, but in this in-between time it's hard and it's a wrestle right and so as we're praying the prayer of that the Lord Jesus taught us to pray lead us not in temptation there is a humble awareness that even as a Christian my own sin and my own ability to wreck my life is still with me and that should terrify us. Amen, church? And it should, it should humble us. And so as believers, we pray for the protection of our own nature. And, and we're reminded, point number two here, that God does not tempt. We learned that this summer in the book of James, right? Let no one say, James 1:13, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot tempt with evil. He himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So we have this temptation. Lord, protect us from temptation, right this, this sin nature inherited from from our father adam right i always look at my kids i say you know what your problem is you're just like your father Right, You take after to your father. You, 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 and, and you know as parents, right, when you watch your kids wrestle with the same sins you wrestle with, like there's something in you that just grieves you like, man, I wish I could have passed something on besides just that, you know, and, and it's our sin nature right? inherited from our father, Adam. And so as we're going through life, like we're praying, God, protect me from my own ability to sin, which by the way, if glorification is our future, when, when our faith becomes sight, how come when we get justified, we receive Jesus, why don't we just skip this? hard step and go right to here. You ever wonder, like, just take me to heaven. You saved me. I'm good for all eternity. Just take me to heaven. Why do we, what's this, what's this in between time about? That's right. We have a mission. That's exactly right. We're here because God has left us here to be a part of your kingdom come. We, we get to be a part of that, like bringing, and he doesn't have to do it that way. He invites us to be a part of what he's doing, right? In fact, in, in John chapter 17, which is often called the Lord's Prayer, it's where Jesus prays over his disciples, his hot priestly prayer. He says this in John chapter 17, verse 15, check this out. As he's praying to his heavenly father, he says, I do not ask that you take them, the disciples, out of the world, but that you do what? that you keep them from the evil one, right? It's this protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Or some of your versions say, deliver us from the evil one. In other words, the prayer of Jesus is to protect us from sin and evil and leave us into the world so that we can accomplish the mission that he's called us to do. Which, by the way, if this is your home church and we're about to open a new building, and I can just tell you the trends, okay? Because we've done this multiple times at Coastal Church now. This church will double in size in two years. So here's what that means. You don't just get to sit here any longer and go, man, somebody else is gonna get the work done. You are a part of the mission that God has for Coastal Church in Gloucester. Amen? we're going to have twice as many kids coming. We're going to have, we're going to need twice as many small groups. So those of you who are enjoying your small group and your leader keeps tapping you on the shoulder and say, I need you to think about becoming your own small group leader. Here's the word I want you to say the next time I tap you on the shoulder, say, so think about being a small group leader, right? It's three letters. Yes. Yes, I'll do it, right? Because guess what? Where God calls, God equips, right? I know you're thinking, I can't do this. Of course you can. God is with you. He's left you here for something. Deliver me from temptation. Why? So that you can be a part of bringing the kingdom of God to earth. And so we're asking for protection from our sin and temptation of, from evil so that we can be busy about the task that God has called us to do. As believers, every minute you use to indulge your sin is a wasted minute towards fulfilling the task that Christ has given us to do. Think about that. Let me say that again. Every minute we use to indulge our sin is a wasted minute towards fulfilling the task that Christ has given us to do. Isn't that cool? So let's be busy about the task. So let her be here. We're call, Christ talk, calls us to protect us from temptation. And so we defeat sin and evil through supernatural means. All right. So let me move quickly here. We can't defeat sin and temptation by natural means. Point number one there. We can't. So a lot of times, some of you are in this room and you've got your sin and you've got your shame and you've got your temptation and you're trying to muster up the strength in your flesh to do it by yourself, but it's actually a supernatural spiritual battle that requires spiritual tools. Everybody with me? And so in Ephesians chapter six, the apostle Paul writes, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. The wrestle and the challenge as Christians is supernatural. It's spiritual. Therefore, it requires spiritual and supernatural means to have the victory. Everybody with me? And so I'm going to give you some of those tools this morning. This is where a lot of times churches and Christians get weird. It's not weird. All right. It's stuff you've heard over and over and over again. But these are the supernatural things that the Lord has given us to defeat temptation and defeat evil. So here it is. Number two, but it's point number one. And how do we supernaturally defeat evil and sin? You got to be born again. You got to be a Christian. All right. Some of you, maybe you're sitting here this morning and and you're coming to church because you're trying to be better. Like, I, I'm not good. I, Sean, you talked about sin and bro, like, I'm broken. I get it, man. I got this habitual thing, this addiction thing. I got this thing. Like, I get it. And you're trying to be good and you can't seem to be good and keep stumbling back. And the reason is you're not born again. The Bible says that you're dead in sin. What can a dead man do? Nothing. What does a dead man need? Life. Life. All right, it's a supernatural. You gotta be born again. That's what Nicodemus, he, he sneaks out at night to uh, talk to Jesus about how you see the kingdom of God. John chapter three, verse three, Jesus said to Nicodemus, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, what, what happens? You can't even see the kingdom of God. So in verse four, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus is still thinking in natural terms, right? Jesus is talking about spiritual things. I love Nicodemus. Like, By the way, when you become a Christian and the Holy Spirit comes in and you're transformed and now you see the kingdom of God, it's like upside down world to the rest of the world, right? You're, you're gonna go, some of you, you become a Christian you're gonna start tithing. You're gonna start giving a tenth of your income to support the local church, and you're gonna go meet with your financial advisor and they're gonna go, if you lost your mind, you're never you're never gonna retire doing that. Are you crazy? Why, why? Why is that? Because you now see things spiritually, right? You see the kingdom of God. you see it differently. Verse five, Jesus said, truly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of that. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You cannot battle spiritual things with the flesh. And so there's somebody in this room that today you need to be born again. You need to receive Christ. Repent, believe, and receive. We already went over it. The person and work of Jesus into your life. Number two, second thing, of supernatural. I'll run through these quickly. we got to cling to Jesus Right we got to cling to Jesus we don't we don't get justified clinging to Jesus and then we get sanctified by being good right? The same gospel, repent and believe that justifies you is the same gospel that sanctifies you. Every time I give in to sin and temptation, it's because there's a character or a promise of God that I'm not believing. And I think, man, that's better than what Jesus has offered me. So I need to repent of my unbelief and re- and not receive Christ again, but feast on Christ again, right? Make him my all in all. I've gotten distracted. That's why we talked about it. That's why we finished last week with the Lord's Supper, right? We took the elements, Give us this day our what? And what's our daily bread, even as a Christian? It's Jesus, right? We're clinging to Christ. The gospel saves me, the gospel sanctifies me. I need Jesus all the way till my faith becomes sight. We got to treasure God's word. Like if we're going to overcome temptation, we got to treasure number four here. We got to treasure God's word. Psalm 119. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not, what church? Sin against you. So sin and temptation comes, we do spiritual work with the word of God in our heart. How did we start this year? Anybody remember how we started the year at Coastal? We did a series called, anybody remember? Dwell, right? And we gave out the dwell book and we said, we want you to read through the Bible in a year. Did you know that you can basically read your Bible in a year by giving it 15 minutes a day? Let's be honest. How many of you social media is getting 15 minutes a day, right, scrolling away? Facebook and, I've noticed that each generation has their own social media. 50s and up, it's Facebook. 35 to 50, it's Instagram. Now it's TikTok, okay? So it just keeps getting, there's a new one for each generation. And so, about 15 minutes a day, we can be in the word of God. By the way, when Jesus was tempted in Luke chapter four, how did he defeat temptation? Anybody remember? What did he quote? Old Testament. He He quoted the scriptures. By the way, the Old Testament's not old. I always say the Old Testament is Jesus's Bible. So read your Old Testament too. That's Jesus's Bible, all right? Number five, we resist the devil. The devil tempts us, makes things that are worldly and natural look enticing. James chapter four, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. And guess what he will do? He will flee from you. So we resist the devil. And number six, but we flee sexual sin. We flee sexual sin. We don't mess around with sexual sin. We flee that. 1 Corinthians six eighteen. flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. We resist the devil. We flee from sexual temptation. Let me park here for one minute. If you're dating someone, if you're in this room, you're single and you're dating someone, I wanna encourage you, I don't care how old you are. When you're dating, never be alone in a house or an apartment for any length of time. Okay, you're you're just setting yourself up for temptation. And the longer you're together, the more difficult and challenging that temptation becomes. Flee from that. And if the person won't marry you, ditch them and find somebody that will marry a great thing, right? (laughs) Listen, electronics, electronics. And sexual temptation, like we have to have accountability around electronics. All of us, right? My adult boys still have accountability. Now, it's not me anymore, at least one of them. He's married. I said, no, you don't want your dad to be your accountability partner forever. Find somebody. He's got somebody and he's got covenant eyes. Parents, let me encourage you. Before you put electronics in the hands of your children, it 100% needs accountability by you. do not give electronics to your children without accountability and I'm I'm gonna give you a little advice here the iPhone they do not allow you as parents to have accountability so flee from iPhone and this is not like a technical this is a protection thing give them something in the Samsung world and there are some great resources to have 100% accountability around their phones Right, because we wanna make sure our children are fleeing from temptation. Man, you need another dude in your life that can ask you anything about your life. Ladies, you need another spiritually mature woman in your life that can ask you anything about your life. Everybody with me? And by the way, when we go to small group, small group is not where you're sitting around with 15 or 20 people, and some, at prayer time, you blurt out your most intimate sin, that gets weird for everybody, right? Like small group is where you have community, and you find somebody that you say, "Hey, you one-on-one, a dude with a dude." like you find another guy and you go, "Hey, can we grab coffee? I need some relationship in my life. I need some accountability so I can flee from this sin." All right. Number seven here, uh, in defeating sin and evil through supernatural means. And a lot of times we don't think of this as a supernatural means, but it is. Christian community helps us sustain our repentance. Christian community helps us sustain our repentance. I know Pastor Nate preached on this just uh, late summer, just a few weeks ago, really. In James chapter five, verses 16, I don't have verse 15 here. It's in the context of calling the elders to anoint with oil and pray, right? When we do that, part of what we're supposed to do in James chapter five, verse 16 is therefore confess your sins to who church? You guys are mumbling that. All right, let's do this together. Therefore, confess your sins to who? One another. Now listen, we know we're to confess to God, right? A lot of times we do that. Like, oh God, forgive me. No one knows. Man, I'm struggling with the sin. God, I did it again. Oh, I'm so sick of this. God, I did it fourth time that day. You know, fifth time, God, forgive. And what we don't do is bring others around us. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. See, finding a brother or sister in order, sometimes that's the hard part, to be honest and vulnerable with someone else. This is the part that's often left out of our discipline. So we leave feeling bad, but we never overcome sin because we haven't found someone else say, listen, I'm tapping into you and I want you to hold me accountable in this spiritual growth. And so I wanna encourage you, use these supernatural means. We don't think of the church body as a supernatural means that God gives us to overcome temptation. Amen, church. So find some brothers and sisters in Christ to journey with. And uh, I hope that uh, we want our, this church community to be a part of the freedom that you will find in overcoming your greatest enemy and your greatest enemy is sin, and your greatest need is forgiveness, and that is found in Christ alone. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to invite the worship team up. All right, I know I've gone a little too long, so I'm going to invite the worship team up. We're going to go out singing this morning. We're going to go out reminding ourselves of the love of the Lord, and I want to remind you that if you come to Coastal, and listen, I know the weeks can be difficult, and we all need others. Everybody with me? We all need ours. So if you ever walk in here and your heart is heavy and you need prayer and you don't lean into our, our prayer team that's always up here under these screens, man, that's a you issue because we want to minister to you. Never leave without, if your burden's heavy, say, grab somebody say, just pray with me. And see what the Lord doesn't do that week, okay? Because we are here to serve you and we are here to pray together. So here we go. Prayer team's always available to pray with you. But we're gonna go out saying the Lord's Prayer together. I'm gonna close our prayer and then we're gonna go out it. So let's stand and let's say the Lord's Prayer together. And hopefully the four sermons that we've preached gives you some good handles and understanding as we pray this together. Let's say this out loud together. Don't leave me hanging, guys. Here we go, all right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the hope of this prayer, God. Thank you for Christ who pardons us and thank you for Christ who protects us God, we lean into Christ today. We're reminded, man, we know our own ability to mess things up and sin are still with us. And we wanna know the freedom of walking in holiness and righteousness. And so part of that is our community. Part of that is our corporate worship, God. And so we leave here today reminding our hearts and our minds of the good news that saves us, the good news that sanctifies us, and the good news that one day will glorify us when our faith becomes sight. And so we leave here today praising you because of your great love for us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's go out and sing